And we're back with another episode of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers fast break, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. Well, there's still so much to talk about when it concerns the NFL, especially with the draft coming up, the NFL season, and when it could take place. And here today to discuss those topics and a little bit more is my good friend, once again, He's holding out somewhere on the West Coast. It is Chris Sardieri from Inside Sports. And my friend, I hope you and the family are still safe, still healthy. And I hear a little bit of good news, just a little bit of good news when it concerns the state of California and how things are being a a little bit on the brighter side of of things. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Gerald. Uh, We here, my family and I are doing well in Southern California. Um, Fortunately, my Son's school will be closed the remainder of the school year, which is kind of a bummer because he's a sixth grader and having his promotion and his sixth grade events, he'll miss out on that. Hopefully, they'll do it later in the year. I hear you on that one. I've got an eighth grader and a sixth grader as well. And the eighth grader uh, here in Las Vegas, uh, unfortunately, because the eighth grade's also the school's pretty much been canceled, we think. Their trip to Washington, D.C., all their field trips, all their graduation ceremonies, all of them look like they're out. And that's and she's my, well, my oldest daughter's a little bit bummed, I'm sure, as your son is. But hopefully, like you said, they can we can make do something to make up for them, you know, once things get better. Exactly. And, and you know what? I know it's all for the best. Like you said, they seem to think the uh, early onset of the social distancing and closing things down here in California by Governor Newsom is starting to pay off. I mean, um, we have a park adjacent to our, our house and my wife and I go with the kids every day to at least walk for you know, as long as we possibly can, staying away from people. But in the last few weeks, we've seen them shut the playground down the basketball courts uh, today we noticed they're locking up the parking lots they're trying their best to get pe- large groups of people to congregate and i know it's kind of frustrating and we have to wear masks here now but uh i'm firmly of the opinion that as annoying this might be here in the short term uh you look at what i'm seeing going on out of new york and my family in the suburbs in new jersey it's just utter madness there so uh, i'm thankful this is the least of our uh issues to deal with here is wearing a mask and kind of staying holed up exactly i mean there's a small issues i mean my gosh i was thinking about as i'm I'm taking off my mask and i'm seeing that my face is breaking out and thinking to myself you know what these are just small things to worry about people are dying people are getting sick all around the world from this horrible disease and i've got very little to complain about because i still got my family around me and i'm still I guess okay. I don't even know if I'm okay. I don't even know if I've got it or I don't got it. So all I know is I'm not on a respirator. So you know that that's probably a good sign for this week. So you never know. Week by week, day by day, things can change. You know, the, this virus is it doesn't discriminate against anyone or at these days it doesn't even discriminate against animals. It's going after you know a tiger found out in yep. New York Zoo got got infected. You hear all these crazy things when it comes up to what's going on, the the economy and everything like that. But again, any little glimmer of hope, I think, is a good thing. And I think that's what we should be looking forward to. And uh, you're right. You know, we I'm wearing masks when I'm outside. I just came out today. I had to, you know, I know we were not supposed to go ahead and do that, but I had to go out for just a second. And I did wear a mask. And 
you know, these are little small complaints to, to obviously what others are going through right now. And my thoughts are with them and also to the healthcare and food service and everybody who's outside that has to be outside dealing with this pandemic right now. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, I was telling my son, you know, it really stinks. You're not going to have all this, but I told him, be thankful. You're not a high school or a college senior. We have, we have friends that are both and both of those. And, um, that's just got to be heartbreaking because those are big deals and you have those graduations. But, but I, like I told him, you know what, it's crazy now. Eventually we'll be able to look back and say, we lived through this much like, you know, my grandparents told me about the great depression or, you know, coming over from Italy in the case of my paternal grandparents, this is a once in a lifetime event. So God willing, we're going to have some good stories to, to tell our kids, grandkids, whatever the case is. And that's the thing. We didn't really pay attention to our forefathers and, and mothers about the Spanish flu and living through that. Because that's something that really doesn't get talked about very much. That and World War One, because we think it's so far away. There were still people that were living, you know, when you and I were young, that could have told us more about that. They probably wanted to share the stories. We just didn't bother to listen because we were just probably basically doing what we were doing at that point in time. But now I feel for those individuals who had to go through those terrible moments in time. And yes, you and I both know the Spanish flu killed 1% of the world's population. So having this now that we're going through, that we're a little bit better educated for the most part, that we have a little bit of way of transporting information as far as how and how to deal with this uh, pandemic, I think is probably going to save a lot of lives. If we did not have this type of technology or this way of communicating with one another, God knows how bad this could have been. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I mean, can you imagine even if this happened 30 years ago? And what did we have? Maybe cable TV to keep us busy. And even that wasn't the, the plethora of channels and options we have now to keep us busy. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, there's really nothing positive about this. Um, what I'm hoping is what comes out of it, what we learn from it, how we react to future issues like this, or, you know, maybe the uh, intestinal fortitude, it, it gives us as a, as a society, maybe those will be the lone bright spots with what uh, came out of this. But uh, yeah, it's just there. Like my wife said, there's some days she wakes up and she's like, all right, this is a dream. We're back to normal today. Right. Uh, I wish that was the case, but still, uh, there's, we're as as uh, someone said in you know that was dealing with all the stuff going on in California. It, it's still a marathon, and we still have a long way to go. So I'm, I'm hopeful that everybody is getting through it. All of our listeners out there are doing the best they can to to follow the advice of the people that know best, and that they're going ahead and staying home and socially, you know, being socially distant from others and, and the whole nine yards. And again, our continued thoughts with you right here from the Inside Sports Fantasy Football team on your safety and health as we go forward. And hopefully this will end sooner rather than later. Amen to that. But there is NFL to talk about. And first off, because of this coronavirus and we because there's just still so much information we don't know and flattening the curve and the projections, they seem to, to change, not drastically, mind you, but they seem to change by the day, uh, you know, and there is some, a small glimmer of hope, good news nationally, as far as the numbers possibly going down a little bit, 
And, you know, we're possibly at that plateau right now. That, that's a very good possibility from what I'm seeing and what I'm reading. But there's still, you know, we, we got to keep doing what we're doing to keep on going to flatten that curve eventually. But that means the season still isn't up in the air on when that could be. I know President Trump, he, he wants to say that it's going to be for sure for September as far as the start of the NFL season, uh, you know. Uh, I know he's not a medical expert, not trying to get political and all that, but if he's trusting the sources from the medical experts, you know, that's great. But if he's not trusting the medical experts and just saying that off a feeling, you know, we've seen this story before, my friend, you can't really tell when this virus wants to go ahead and say, yay, it's okay to go ahead and play some football. Completely agree. And I know shortly after that uh, conference called all the major sports commissioners, and, and by the way, I guess the WWE is now included in that. Uh, yeah, that was. That well, they're good friends. Now, mind yeah. you, yeah, uh, it was a match at a WrestleMania where he shaved his head. But in reality, in real life, they are good friends and uh, McMahon's do support his cause. But again, I don't want to get political on that because I already <laughs> scolded my one of my friends that comes weekly on the Lakers the Fast Break podcast on that. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, regardless, like I, I don't know if it was that day or a day later, uh, Governor Newsom here in California said, uh, "And not so fast, my friend." To uh, paraphrase Lee Corso of ESPN, but uh, yeah, yeah. So no one knows, and I, I think too. Adam Silver, to his credit, you know, took the lead from day one with shutting down the league with when. Uh, the outbreak happened with the Utah Jazz but I think him too like he's he wants to get things started but the contingency planning you're hearing behind the scenes is that if they do do it it might be at one location no fans whatsoever this is essentially going to be a made-for-tv event and while I think it's optimistic to think yeah we'll be back up and running by the summer do you really want 70,000 people in close proximity to each other at a football stadium or entering and exiting said stadium um, when we don't know if we have uh, we have this thing figured out, if there really is uh, any sort of accurate test to prove that people have it or built up a resistance to it, whatever it is, I think there's a real chance we could see that with the NFL. I don't know if the season will be pushed back, but uh, for instance, there in your hometown of Las Vegas, could we see that brand spanking new stadium open for the Raiders and no one in there for a good month or two? It, it's quite possible. That is quite possible. In fact, if it does work out for the NBA and all the teams congregate here, and I said this before on the Lakers Fast Break podcast, you know, people understand want to ask why Las Vegas for the NBA, and I'll just it'll this will lead into the NFL for just a sec. Humor me here. So you get off mm -hmm. a plane at McCarran Airport, you go and take an Uber. You take an Uber, and the first you know first major road you hit or the first major intersection is right there on Tropicana. And also as well, going off the airport, and you look off right there as far as the Tropicana, and you see right there the Thomas and Macarena. You exactly. take a left, one half mile, eh, maybe about uh, yeah, one half mile, and you see on you come up to one of the heavily congested hotel room areas in the entire world because you have four major hotels right at the corner right there of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. But you look to your right, you've got the MGM Grand Garden Arena. You look across the street, right next to the New York, New York, is the T-Mobile yep. Arena. You look yep. to the left, that is Mandalay Bay. They have an arena for playing basketball. And if you go straight up Tropicana one more mile, you have the Orleans Arena, which also hosts basketball tournaments. 
So you have literally right there, and let's not forget the Thomas and Mack Arena has a side arena called the Cox Pavilion, which held basketball tournaments during the NBA Summer League. So you've got a lot of venues there, which is the reason why that you have a lot of people saying that the NBA should be able to go ahead and congregate one place. Now, what if the NFL sees that and sees the success from that and says, you know what? We could follow suit, but the only thing is they would only have two venues being the brand new stadium for one and the old silver bowl for another. Yeah. I think logistically that'd be more of a challenge. They'd probably have to spread it out over a, a couple cities or. Yeah, they probably even, would uh, incorporate. Like you look at the, the SoFi stadium, the brand new one set to open here in LA that's within close proximity to, to LAX and there are a lot of hotels around there. Maybe that's a possibility, but it's also it's close because... by it's also close by the Chargers non-home football stadium at the present time. Yes, exactly. So there, there are options there. But the, the thing with that too is it's not like the NBA where you could play back to back nights or twice in three nights, for instance. Uh, the NFL, you've got to have at least six days off. So I don't know how they're gonna do it. I'd like to think it's gonna happen, but I'm just as skeptical as anyone else. But the thing is, the NFL is going to have to get some sort of game going because they're bread and butters with TV. And uh, I was talking about it with a friend of mine I grew up, uh, Jonathan. At some point, do these leagues realize that, yeah, this is a real version of reality TV. These are made-for-TV events. It's nice that we make money off of the concessions, the inflated ticket prices, the parking, et cetera. But at the end of the day, our biggest constituents are the fans and the networks that are carrying these games. That's right. It's all about the chunk of change, the advertising dollars, and the whole nine yards when it comes to the NFL and the NBA. Let's let's be real about it. The live audience is a nice little kicker and makes for a nice, well-rounded paycheck for everyone involved, But and especially – for the individuals that are working the arenas who are out of work right now and also the stadiums as well. I mean, they, you know, if they went to an empty arena or empty stadium format, those are the people who are still going to be shorted out. And that's who I really feel sorry for. Not the players, not the owners, not the television markets, but the people who are actually working the concession stands, the parking lots and things of that nature that we see the ushers, everyone involved that works so hard each and every game to make our experience a lot better. Absolutely. And I know some teams have stepped up like Mark Cuban with the Mavs and the NBA. I know the Yankees have done something for their employees. So uh, yeah, those are the ones who are really getting hurt in this. We'll be right back with more fantasy football. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. I'll tell you what, my friend, there's still a lot to talk about when it comes to the NFL. 
the draft is still right around the corner. It's still scheduled on April 23rd. It is going to be, well, it has to be, I don't know if you can call uh, NFL by Zoom, a Zoom draft or put any type of Zoom joke in there or meet app by Google. Don't get me started on Google because I'm still mad that they got rid of Google Hangouts, which at a time <laughs> like this would have been the perfect thing to have. But hindsight's 2020. But whatever type of Zoom format or meeting format they're going to have or Skype or what have you. It is going to be a virtual draft is how you put it. And, how, and that's probably the best way you can put it is it's going to be a virtual draft where all the different parties take place that are making the decisions from remote areas. And, you know, those decisions that are going to be made, it's not going to be like the old days where you're at a desk with a phone and you make the phone call and all that. It's going to be quite different. And there is going to be some challenges behind that. It's not going to be as easy and streamlined as we once thought it would be, but there are going to be some challenges involved. And I know, Chris, you wanted to talk about those types of challenges that could that the NFL can face in conducting on April 23rd. And it goes into a two or three day type extravaganza, of course, a 100% virtual draft. Yeah. So, uh, well, I think this is great for us, the fans and the viewers on TV. Logistically, this could really present a lot of problems. Goodell came out this week and said, basically, you're not going to have two people in a room or meet at a team facility. You're going to have to do it from home or some sort of office or wherever. And I'm sure they'll have contingency plans. So if someone's internet goes down, they'll have phone lines, landlines, I don't know, tin cans with string, whatever the case is. But, uh, if you have any sort of communication breakdown, what happens if the clock runs out on you, for instance? And then, too, I heard an interesting point. I believe it was Scott Pioli, the old Patriots GM, pointed this out last week, where, let's face it, some GMs are more technologically savvy than others. So do they have an advantage? And the thing is, too, like we've seen this. I don't know if you caught it, but Howard Stern had a much talked about interview with Tom Brady today. Tom never talks to anyone. He spent two hours with Howard. And at one point, the, the Zoom went down and Tom had to do it the old school way and dial back in on his phone. So could we see something like that happen? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think not only is the draft fascinating this year, because there are a lot of storylines and a lot of quarterbacks, which really moves the needle at the top of the draft. But just the behind the scenes stuff, is anyone going to you know, set up maybe a FaceTime or some sort of Skype video to see whatever team's general manager doing the pick or how they're interacting with their scouting staff and their head coach. I, I think that right there would make for interesting reality television or a documentary after the fact, at least, right? Exactly. So it is going to be something that could be or could end up being a logistical nightmare. I hope not. I hope we've gotten to a point in our technological world that we can go ahead and pull this off without a hitch I think we can. I think there's enough streaming apps. Or, Hey, we've got a great app that we use right here for Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and I'm going to give them a plug because they've been great with us, and that is StreamYard. So if you want a great app to go ahead and communicate with someone, StreamYard is a great way to go in case you don't want Zoom or you don't want the issues with Zoom or anything like that. StreamYard.com, you want to go ahead and check that out. I'm, I'm giving them free pub because they deserve it. So there's many different outlets out there. I mean, if their Zoom app goes down, Go ahead, flip over to StreamYard, flip over to Meet app, you know, Meet.app or whatever Google has now these days, Skype or whatnot. There should, or the tin can thing might work as well. So you never know. <laughs> but I think that there should be enough lines of communication open that if, let's say, the GM 
is trying to go ahead and communicate their pick to Roger Goodell or whoever's taking the other end of the call, I think that is going to be done either which way. I mean, between cell phone usage alone, I mean, worst comes to worst, just pop out the cell and call them. Yeah, absolutely. Although uh, the the kind of uh, football historian in me, going back to my younger days of starting watching the league and drafts, what do you say they get the Roselle era helmet phone? You think they could dial in their picks on that, like the 1980s? I love those phones. Yeah, I would love to see them pull those out. That would be a real nifty thing. But one thing this will create, and this also speaks for the NBA draft as well, we may see less and less of those insiders like Adam Schechter or in the case of the NBA, Sham Sharania or Adrian Wojnarowski, them knowing the picks 30 seconds to two to three minutes before the pick is made. We can actually see the pick made and not know who it is before the pick is made. That, to me, would be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I completely agree because there are some years, and I know the league asked writers not to tweet about it, but really it just ruins the surprise. It's kind of like if you're – Well, the uh, NBA is awful, man. Woj and Shams, they've got so many insiders. I think what they do is they tell them first – before they tell Adam Silver and whoever's running the NBA draft. So it's just, it, it was ludicrous because I would stop looking at ESPN or NBA.com or anyone who would be draft nets. I would just be on Twitter and that's all I would need. Yeah. What's the point of watching the draft? And that's you know, not fair to ESPN and that'll, uh, that'll get Adam Silver's ire as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and the thing too, uh, I think with this is also, Will you, like for instance, I saw the movie uh, Kevin Costner movie Draft Day, which uh, you know, parts of it were cheesy, but there are parts you could tell uh, the writers or directors, whoever the case it was, sat down with a real NFL general manager and followed him around because it, it seemed very realistic with what was going on. Now the trade he pulled off was ludicrous, but that's besides the point. But just the way the war room looked and felt and leading up to the draft, these are all things. When people chronicle previous drafts, it felt like an actual general manager. It felt like an actual team war room with a draft going on and screens and phone lines and everything else. So you're not going to have any of that. So that'll make it even more interesting as well. And then, too, I know I'd mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I, I'm just glad we don't have rock bands playing in the straight or awful every picks going and fans outside screaming up, jumping up and down. And that's great. It's it's nice to get the fans involved more in the draft than it was back in the old days of having it at Radio City in New York. But sometimes I just felt like it was a sideshow event going on around the draft. And we all know how Goodell loves to make money tangentially to anything involving the league. But I think it'll be cool to just actually hopefully see guys making picks or the picks being made at the podium and having analysts talk about it and Mel Kuyper annoy us all every year. But yeah, I think those are some of the interesting things that we'll look forward to. But also, I will like the day when they go and do it, NFL and the NBA, from different locations. Because, you know, nothing against the, the great people in New York, especially because I know that they're suffering right now. And that is still one of the highest outputs of sicknesses, illnesses, and fatalities anywhere in the entire God's green earth at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But every year we see the draft emanating from there. And all we hear basically are New York Giants and New York Jets fans. And in the NBA, all we hear are Knicks Knicks fans. So it just seems like at points in time over the years when it was always taking place from New York, all these drafts, 
that it was just focused in on New York fans and, and the New York marketplace and was leaving everybody else out. But I know they wanted to go ahead with the NFL, do something great this year for Las Vegas and the Las Vegas Raiders and all that. But it felt like this at least was going to be something more generalized had it come to fruition and everybody was able to go ahead and come here that a lot of fans from all over were going to be able to congregate. And it would be more like, okay, the Cincinnati fans, the Dallas fans, the Seattle fans, they would all come and they could cheer. I just, that, I'm hoping from that more like drafts where you could hear a broader base of fans than outside of just one or two teams that you always end up hearing because you, you know, as, as a, as a Giants fan, you know, that when you saw most of the drafts, most of the drafts took place in New York, all you would hear is Giants and Jets fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and, I'm just yeah, saying like, that it just seems like if they go ahead, the NFL and NBA, once everything gets better and go to different cities, you get a different feel, different marketplaces, different base of fans. And to me, that seems a little bit more approachable by these leagues to the fans that they have. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, growing up near New York for the vast majority of my uh, younger part of my life. Uh, I get it. My brother went to a draft one year and he, he's a cowboy fan, but he, he said it was really cool. But again, it's just a lot of kicked off giants and jets fans because they were uh, drafting in F that particular year. Or, right. uh, the and, Knicks but the I'm NBA. just, and I don't want it to come off like I'm bashing New York. Cause it, 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 no, no. it sounds like, but it, it's just let everybody have an opportunity to do it. And it just makes for a better draft year in, year out. You get, it stays fresher, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I know the, the league did it, what, they did Philly and Chicago and uh, Nashville last year. So I was really looking forward to Vegas because, you know, even though they, they do have a team there now, I mean, there's not. it's not like there's a, a huge Raiders fan base there. No, you get a lot yet. of you would get. You would, but you would get a lot of people coming, not just from California and the West Coast, but from around the country. Like, who doesn't want to go to Vegas in April? And who wouldn't want to see an NFL draft? So I think you'd have more uh, more of a mishmash of fans, too, which would be really cool, which is believe what I'm me, kind of bummed about. Believe me, people here in the hotel industry, and I know a few, were very upset that they couldn't host it here because they were at guesstimating that it could have been as much as an extra half million people here for that NFL draft and wow. that, you know, you do the math on that. If everybody spends a hundred dollars, you know, mm -hmm. on that and yeah, at the tables or at the slots or what have you. And yeah, that that's, but you're right. It would have been more of a fresh start for you. Like you said, there's, there's just a small growing base here of Raiders fans. It's not anywhere near what the golden Knights have per se, because golden Knights it's taken a, a while to, you know, for them to stick to win, to win. And now they've got a huge fan base here in the city. The Raiders, if they do well, they will probably have a strong following and keep the strong following. But again, this is just speculation on my part. But yeah, I, I think that if the, they continue, like you said, they've gone to Nashville, they've gone to Philly, Chicago. If they keep on continuing going from place to place, I would like to see that continue. And the NBA should take a note. And I'm hopeful that we'll go ahead and just be able to alternate locations just to get a fresh feel year in, year out after what we see here. But again, getting back to what you were talking about, the challenges of 100% virtual draft, there might be some technical glitches, but I hope, like you said, they should have all the contingencies in place. Knowing the, the NFL, I think they will. Whatever their technologies are is, I'll give him or her credit in advance. But uh, 
I think what'll be funny is just a GM not physically having someone to their right or to their left that they can just turn around and talk to. I, I think that's going to be interesting, juggling multiple phone lines or methods of communication. And it'd be interesting to see if there is a team that drops the ball or signals get crossed. So yeah, the, the story behind the story will be really fascinating too. And, and Gerald, let's face it, this thing is going to get huge ratings. I mean, my son and I watched the draft to begin with, but I mean, after maybe the first round, second round, you're just kind of like, eh, but you know, this is going to be what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, there's nothing going on. There's no live sports. Like, I'll sit around and watch the fifth round on a Saturday. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it this year. I know a lot of other people as well, just because of the fact that it'll be something new and fresh on television. So it the NFL draft still is on pace for an April 23rd. And I know, Chris, you and I will be coming on later this month to talk about the residuals from that, which teams might look better from it, which teams could help out your fantasy leagues, and, and basically the pluses and minus of what went on with the NFL draft later this month. We'll be taking a look at that for sure. Yeah, it'd be nice to have some actual strategy and football content to talk about, right? Exactly. Yes, definitely would be. We may be headed to the replay booth, but we'll be right back with Inside Sports Fantasy Football. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, before we head on out, my friend, a couple last things to talk about. One is this, and this was not on your list that you sent me. I wanted to add this in real quick. Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule said earlier today, as we're recording this, he was saying that Teddy Bridgewater, the recently signed free agent from New Orleans, was a better fit for their team than Cam Newton. Putting all things together, let's say Cam Newton is somewhat healthy at this point. Is that a true statement? I'm guessing if there's some sort of offense that rule runs that Bridgewater has more aptitude for, perhaps that's the case. But honestly, I think there's a thinly veiled message there, and it could be one of two things or both. A, Bridgewater, even at his lofty salary and good for him and his agent, is probably going to get paid less than what Cam was due to make. And B, uh, we know Bridgewater's right arm's a lot healthier than Cam's. So uh, I don't think it's just about, hey, we think he's a better quarterback for our system. I think there's uh, there's a little sublime, maybe not so sublime message underneath that. Sure sounds like it. I'll tell you, I would have stuck with Cam Newton if he's healthy. But those shoulders are in question. He is getting a little, little older. But I still think he, if he's healthy enough, he has a lot to give. So anybody who does sign him, I could see him as a possible, you know, late round draft choice for you fantasy leaguers out there that could be worth taking and would be a nice backup and possibly someone that by the end of the year you could be starting. So I'm just saying that right now. I, I don't know his health, but as we get more reports on his health, that could possibly be the case. Yeah, and I, I know I theorize Mariota could be this year's Tannehill, but uh, Cam in the right spot I think is more of a – Tannehill, as it were, than Mariota could be with the Raiders. We'll see what happens, my friend. But before we head on out, I know we're not going to have exactly the doghouse, mind you, but with your <laughs> final words, let's go to the doghouse with some final words on some hard knocks for you on the way out. 
Oh, hard knocks. Speaking of hard knocks, uh, a nice segue there. The uh, aforementioned Adam Schefter, who uh, always seems to break news before it happens, uh, put out word this week on Twitter that the uh, newest installment of HBO's Hard Knocks, the training camp reality show that's been around for many years, will feature both L.A. football teams, the Rams and the Chargers, uh, as they move into their new stadium. Uh, the plan is to still go on. No one knows when training camp will happen this year, but it looks like uh, HBO has got their two topics to cover. And uh, the Rams were on when they their inaugural season. They moved back to L.A. in 2016. Uh, that was a particularly boring season, partially because uh, Jeff Fisher is just such a boring coach to watch on TV. And uh, the fact that there weren't really any compelling storylines on a, or just a dump of a team, frankly. So I think that's something interesting to watch out for. The Chargers have never been on before, so it'll kind of be neat to see how they uh, kind of transition away from Phillip Rivers being there for so many years. Whoever their next quarterback is, I'm guessing it'll be someone they draft. That could be a potential storyline. And then, too, with the Rams, you know, uh, McVay was kind of the boy wonder, lost the uh, Super Bowl to his mentor, Belichick, and now due to – injuries, loss of players, and some questionable moves and not being able to reload through the draft. The, the Rams are kind of a team in transition. Are they on the downswing? So two interesting storylines we hopefully will be able to watch on HBO this summer. So you're saying that the Rams and the Chargers will be the next Hard Knocks participants? According to our friend Adam Schefter, yes. First time ever they're going to cover two teams. And I'm guessing uh, – Logistically, it'll be easy because their uh, um, their their training camps are right near each other in Orange County, and they also. Uh, I actually went this past year with my son and my father-in-law and my a couple of my friends. Um, they actually go and scrimmage each other for a couple of days, so that was cool to see the uh, the Chargers' first team defense up against the Rams' offense. So I, I think it'll be easier for the camera crews and the like to be close to each other, and then have at least one week where they're probably on the, the same premises. So, yeah, I think it uh, makes sense for them. And it's kind of the uh, kind of the storyline. They did the Raiders last year. It's not like they can cover them again. So I guess that makes the most sense. Well, I've got a great title that you can name it for Hard Knocks that covers both teams. All right, here you go. No home for bad uniforms. <laughs> Boy, is that the case with the Rams? I don't know what the heck they're thinking there. I, I, I told my son it was like the, the the Clippers and the Chargers had a head-on collision. That was a logo they came up with. Yeah, just a bad, bad deal. And unfortunately, they're going ahead with it. And if you're a Rams fan, you might want to get on those classic unis because it, putting on those new unis, that might be something you not you might not want to do. Well. I agree. And you know what? You, you bring up a great point, Gerald. There are a number of teams that have redone their uniforms in the last two days. I've seen the Buccaneers have kind of morphed theirs back to their Super Bowl days of the early 2000s. Wish like they did the I wish they did I the creamsicle. I wish they did the creamsicle one. Yeah, although I did read something where they, they do have, I don't know, some sort of arcane helmet law. They'll have the ability to wear those throwbacks. I don't know how the two are tied together, but I read it in passing. And then with the Falcons, too, I feel like and they kind of tinkered with their uniform, and I'm not quite sure why or how or what they did, but they put ATL on the chest and changed their helmets up a little. But I, I feel like it's kind of like with the Jaguars a few years back. You kind of keep the the intent of your original logo or color scheme, and you tweak it a little. Lions have done this a few times, and 
I mean, you're just flat out saying like, hey, fans, we're going to make you buy a whole new set of gear just because we can to make some dough. And if that's the case, they need to follow even more what the NBA does. The NBA with the alternate uniforms, they show off the classic uniforms. They show off the uniforms that might cover special events like breast cancer awareness, all the different things the NBA does. And a fan, those really loyal fans will go to the NBA store and they will buy all the alternate jerseys. And I think that's smart. And if the NFL has the guts, I think they need to follow suit. Have, you know, your main one half the season, then the other eight weeks, play around with it. Have some fun. Go ahead, support causes like the NBA does. If there's something like that, I think that they should go ahead and be more bold with their uniform statements. Like you said, if they want to go ahead and really rake in the cash, that would be one way to do it. Yeah, I agree. They've, they've done it somewhat with those color rush ones, but... Some of those are hideous. I remember a Seahawks Rams game where it looked like two highlighters are playing a football game. But then you go and <laughs> and uh, you, know, you get you get someone like the Raiders who go back to the old school AFL look, or the Giants went back to their 1980s look and helmet and everything. Do that. I don't I don't want to see those hideous Steelers or Packers ones from the 1920s or whatever era they're from. Like you know, I want to see the Lions break out the old Billy Sims era one from the 70s or. You know, have the have the Falcons go back to the uh, the Dion ones of the early '90s when they first switch over to black. Do that. I mean, I own a Giants throwback jersey. I, I just I love that old school stuff. And even too, I mean, you go like a Philadelphia Eagles Randall Cunningham era with the different color green and the, the eagle wings. Like I, I like that sort of stuff. Switch it up. And and again, Gerald Adam Silver ahead of the curve. You know, he knows the players like this stuff. I play 2K with my son and. Half the fun is sitting there and scrolling through like old Knicks uniforms from say the Bernard King 1980s era. I'm like, wow, I remember those uniforms. So yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in a lot of ways. I think he's the best commissioner out there, at least since he's gotten the job. He's had a lot thrown at him and you know he's still been able to go ahead and for the most part, make the right decisions. I know a lot of people don't love Goodell, so I won't even go there. But again, <laughs> On the final note, thanks so much for listening out there, everyone. If you can, please go ahead and give all of us a shout out right here at Inside Sports. On Twitter, you can go ahead at Inside Sports FF. Or if you have a question or a comment you want to leave for the show, you can leave it there. Or also as well, isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com. Or my man right here, Chris, Chris Sardieri, you can find him at Chris L Sports on Twitter. Go ahead and send him a message directly. He'd love to hear from you. So if you want to go ahead and ask a question about the upcoming draft, the upcoming season, whenever it takes place, or any NFL question or fantasy football question out there, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, just go ahead and give us a shout-out on Twitter or email. doesn't matter which. And if you can leave us a five-star review, like, subscribe, all that good stuff, we truly appreciate all the time in doing that. And thank you so much for listening. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for listening to the show. I know uh, I've gotten some nice feedback. My uh, wife and kids, you know, normally when I record the show, it's maybe in the middle of a hectic week or something. I disappear for a while. But in these crazy times, I'd like to thank them. But then again, they're probably just happy that I leave the room and go do something and they have the remote control or whatever the case is. So Thank you for that. And uh, Gerald, I want to thank you because all kidding aside, this is very therapeutic. I love doing the show every week during the football season, but 
we've got things to talk about. You're more than accommodating to do it. So thank you for that. It takes my mind off things. Thankful to be working from home, but you know, to talk about football still uh, breaks it up. It kind of kind of lends to a, a, a small sense of normalcy in my life. I don't know if you feel the same way, but uh, thanks It again. does. It does. And it is for me something I'm able to focus in on. I mean, I could go back and, and do some more of the hobby things that I have a little bit more time for, but I really wanted to focus in more on the shows that I do with the Pop Culture Cosmos, PCC Multiverse, Inside Sports Fantasy Football with you and hopefully Jason and all the rest of the guys that have come on board, but also the Lakers Fast Break. And I'm able to focus in on that more lately. I've been able to get some great interviews not only from yourself, some great NBA draft interviews that I've gotten over the past few days. So I'm trying to focus on putting out more content. I know not as many people are listening to podcasts right now because people, even though they're at home, it tells you a lot right here, my friend. For the most part, podcast listening is down because people love to hear it on the way to work or at work. I'll leave that one alone, my friend. But I'm so thankful out there for the people that do listen right now. We cannot thank you enough. And Yeah, it's just wherever you're listening, whether it's at work or at home, we just cannot thank you enough for doing so. But it's so funny, my friend, I see that statistic that podcasting as a whole has gone up in recording and gone a little bit down in listening because of the situations that we're now in. Yeah, that's interesting. I've heard that too. But I mean, for me, regardless of whether I work at home in the office, I enjoy listening to podcasts. So kind of breaks up the day. And then too, like my daily walks in the park. I, I have something queued up. And by the way, I got to say, you're, you're talking about streaming and offering advice to NFL GMs. This show sounds clean. I've watched, without mentioning names, some major network shows, not just with sports or even uh, radio shows. And some of these are recorded with what I think are fairly famous and talented people. They sound like they're in an echo chamber. And we don't. I mean, I I listen to the pod every week. My voice annoys me, but that's besides the point. I guess that's for a, one of our therapy podcasts, but just it sounds good and we both sound clear and we sound professional. So great job there. Maybe maybe we can give some advice to some of these networks, right? Well, uh, the first thing I'd say is if you're a host of this thing, uh, whether it's a podcast or a stream, what have you, you're at the mercy of the other individual guests, internet and microphone. So if you that person doesn't have decent internet, there you're already down because a lot of the stuff what you're trying to communicate to an audience is really gets done right there. I've had a lot of interviews in the past that I've had to either chop up or unfortunately tell them I had to discard because it's just bad internet and whatnot. It just will not provide a good clear signal to be able to communicate and anything you say comes out garbled. And that's unfortunate because a lot of good people out there I've had the chance to interview, unfortunately, couldn't get through their interview because of bad internet. But the other thing that's, you know, not irritating to me because it's whatever people have on there. You know, obviously, I wish I could get everybody a Audio Technica mic like I have and send that out to them before the show. But unfortunately, I, I don't have anywhere near that kind of money. But people love to use out there the, you know, when I first got into this, I thought the people, when people have the cell phone mics, as far as the earbuds and all that with the attachment, I thought those would be the worst mics to have. Those are actually pretty good unless you have a heavy beard. It's the computer mics that people love that, you know, so they don't have to have a headphone or they don't have to have a mic in their face. The computer mics where people you see just standing back, 
those are usually the worst in the world because they pick up everything. They'll pick up mom in the kitchen, the construction company down the street, banging on the, you know, whatever, building whatever. They'll pick up my voice bouncing off the mic. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff when it comes right there. So as soon as when I'm interviewing somebody and I see them pop on the screen and they don't have a mic or they don't have headphones, I think I might be. I don't say I'm going to be in trouble, but I know I'm going to have my work out for me in post because <laughs> just the fact that, you know, those mics were not meant for this type of streaming. Simple as that. Uh, excellent points. So I know how CNN feels. Whenever I see it and hear it, I'm just like, I feel for you. CNN, ESPN, doesn't matter, Fox, whatever. When I see those interviews and I know that somebody's on a, a mic that really wasn't meant for live streaming, they were meant for FaceTime calling and all that. That's great when you're talking to grandma, but when you're trying to record and send out to an audience, that's another story. Yeah. And then too, I think it also helps being out here on the West coast, which has its advantages to begin with, but the time of night we do it, I think our internet's a little connecting a little better. We don't have as much traffic on the information superhighway, right? Yeah, I hope so. Those gremlins hopefully stay away at least for, at least for a little while longer. Indeed. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you, giving everybody out there some podcasting tips for you, free of charge. I mean, <laughs> if you even have any podcasting questions, you can send them along to me. I get them every now and then. So if you want to go ahead, give us a shout out, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, giving you the insight there on podcasting and the NFL. Chris, it's so great to hear from you. As soon as you hear news that you want to talk about, you get me on the DM and we'll go ahead and record another one right straight away for everybody out there because it seems like everybody loves what you do right here for us at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. I will. And again, thank you for the opportunity and the bandwidth to do it. All right. Sounds good. All the best to you. Stay healthy out there from all of us right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. <laughs>